Welcome to the Stockout. This is your show at Freightways for all things related to the CPG industry. I'm your host, Mike Bowden, just the head of Intermodal Solutions here. And in addition to Intermodal, also follow the CPG industry. In the show, we set, about, set aside about 26 minutes to go through uh, CPG news, usually try to bring on a guest who is knowledgeable in the space. Um, and today we have a guest who's knowledgeable in servicing the space from the 3P, 3PL angle. It's going to be Dave uh, Giblin, VP of Transportation at ODW Logistics. Uh, so we're going to be talking to him in a minute. Um, and before, and I'll also go through uh, one news article on um, the CPG industry. Before I do those things, if anyone has not already signed up for the CPG newsletter uh, that we send out here at FreightWaves, you can do that by going to www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout, or just go to freightways.com up at the top newsletters. Uh, you can sign up for all our newsletters, but uh, stockout's the first one there uh, under uh, supply chain. So um, you want to do that to try to keep you in, um, up to date every week uh, what's happening uh, in the CPG uh, industry. This company seem to be performing pretty well based on uh, what's uh, taken place here in earnings season so far. Seems like their elasticity is uh, still relatively muted despite a tremendous amount of inflation the past uh, three years, and uh, the margins are up pretty much across the board. So most of the companies were able to beat and um, you know, beat the, the analyst expectations uh, last week and, and, and raise guidance. So most of those companies uh, appreciate on, on the, the, the news. Um, I'll go through one news story here, and that is another vertical farming company files for bankruptcy protection. Um, it, this is a, something that I think is, is, is interesting. I've talked um, quite a bit on this show about vertical farming, uh, try to think about ways that CPG supply chains could change in the future. And there's been some, you know, attempts at this. This is, um, you know, a graphic from Eden Green Technology. I want to stress that's not one of the companies that's, uh, you know, filing uh, for bankruptcy. The, the company that was, the latest company has filed for bankruptcy is called this App Harvest. It's a high-tech indoor uh, farm uh, company filing Chapter 11 protection. It comes one month after Aero Farms. Filed for also filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, and then in April, Calera filed for uh, bankruptcy protection. There were a couple others as well here in uh, recent uh, months, and um, would encourage you to go to uh, one article I found that was interesting was in Winsight Grocery Business, which I think does a pretty good job of keeping um, you know people up to date on the grocery industry as well as the CPG industry, and also did a, a show uh, for this this show, the Stockout. Where I interviewed executive from Plenty, which is another vertical farming, uh, you know, company that um, is actually in a better financial position. And Walmart's an investor there. They also have a distribution partnership with Albertsons. They're the one that's opening the big vertical farm in Compton, California. So it is an interesting concept. Um, but uh, basically, what's happening is that, uh, like a lot of uh, high tech industries right now, the investors uh, have gone from a mindset of growth at all costs to sort of show me where the profitability is and has been pulling back capital in places where those companies are not yet uh, profitable. Um, so uh, that's certainly impacting the vertical farming um, you know, industry. There's also a good article um, that was linked to in that Winsight a grocery uh, business article that from, from Henry Gordon Smith, who is founder of a, an agriculture um, consultancy firm. And he said that most vertical farming companies today powered by non-renewable energy uh, sources and actually emit significantly more carbon than their field-based counterparts. So for um, all the desire to um, reduce supply chains, it's uh, certainly not 
um, the consensus that uh, vertical farming reduces um, carbon emissions, at least not uh, so far. So it's going to be an interesting um, you know, sector uh, to, to watch. Um, with that is a little bit of uh, you know one news story uh, that I think is interesting. I want to bring on today's guest. It's going to be Dave Giblin. He's the Vice President of Transportation at ODW. Dave, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Uh, appreciate the intro there and, and look forward to talking a little bit. A lot going on in our industry right now. Uh, so uh, exciting times. Uh, but uh, And also your, your uh, vertical farming. Uh, we've, get, we've got a company actually right upstairs in our building here that also does vertical farming and uh, understand the challenges that, that those guys are working through. So, Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's one of those things, those topics in the CPG industry, I meaning between that and sort of cell-based meats and sort of maybe pl- plant-based substitution of traditional meat. Like at some point there's going to be some, I think, ma- sort of major disruption, but a lot of those sectors have really sort of gone through their their challenges. And I think investors are getting um, you know more and more concerned with that. Um, so for those who aren't familiar, Dave, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of ODW logistics and, and how you serve the food and beverage industry? Sure. Uh, ODW is a supply chain, full service supply chain company based in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we do uh, uh, contract logistics, warehouse management, along with um, uh, transportation management brokerage. Um, we've been around for a long time, since 1971. Uh, our, our infancy was with uh, some major uh, food retailers. So we've, you've, we've got a lot of experience uh, in both the grocery uh, uh, and uh, the retail space. So you're perfect for this show. Um, so, so what do you think the, the biggest challenges that they're facing right now are? Yeah, that's specific to, to my job. So on the transportation management side, um, the news with yellow uh, shutting their doors on Friday and potentially fank- filing bankruptcy today uh, is, uh, without doubt, the biggest disruptor of the year. Um, you know, we've we've been um, doing a little dance over the last several years since uh, since COVID. You know, obviously there was a um, a major capacity crunch through 2021 and 2022. That's all changed a bit. Uh, in 2023, with the um, the lightness in the freight market, plenty of capacity out there, um, we were unsure what to expect. Our, our expectation was that yellow would likely not make it uh, through the next couple months. Uh, probably happened a couple weeks faster than we expected, um, but it, it was uh, definitely a major disruption uh, that we expect to see across all modes of transportation. Uh, but to be honest with you, we were a little bit surprised over the last uh, week to week and a half. It's been it's been a transition, but it appears as though the lightness in the freight market, um, combined with the additional capacity that existed uh, inside some of your larger uh, carriers, specifically carriers that handle retail, over the past week we've not seen uh, significant um, reductions in terms of. Uh, pickup and delivery performance. So we've, we've, to be honest with you, been a little bit surprised at the readiness within the the LTL space in particular, in, in terms of their ability to uh, kind of quickly take over for you know the yellow thirty thousand jobs. That's nothing to shake your head at. And there's a lot of trucks, trailers, um, cross dock facilities out there across the U.S. And and for all that, kind of within a a couple week period of time to to vanish is kind of amazing to see. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what I wanted to ask you was um, sort of related to that. And 
just you know, L- um, yellow is about seven percent of the LTL industry. So you, is, you attribute that to just there's excess capacity that is is greater than that, and the industry was just able to absorb um, all that volume w- without a lot of service disruption. Yeah. It's hard to weigh. We, we've honestly, we were preparing for a little bit more of a disruption than we've seen over the last week. It's it's the last week of the month. I can tell you, you know, in the truckload space today, we're having a lot of challenges getting everything covered. So the capacity, there is a, a bit of a capacity crunch, but it's the last week week of the, it's the last day of the month, right? So that we expect a, those type of things. Um, but yeah, more specific to LTL. Yeah, we're, um, we're, we're, we're a little bit surprised. Uh, you know, if for your CPG customers, um, I would guess that this is, this is my guess. I would guess that yellow was probably 20, 30, maybe even a little bit higher than 30% of, of retail and grocery deliveries were handled by yellow. Um, you know, there's some other large LTL uh, carriers in the, in the space. Old Dominion is the predominant, um, yeah, Estes, FedEx, uh, TFI to some degree, but you know, to be honest with you, my background in LTL, I've I've seen the primary focus of Yellow and of Old Dominion to be on in the retail segment, and it's really, um, you know, really the the bulk of the other providers had been chasing your more traditional industrial type type shipments over the last you know decade decade plus. Uh, so you know, my expectation was really on the retail and grocery, we would, we would see quite the, quite the challenge. And it appears as though Old Dominion has bulked up enough to handle a lot of that. And some of the other guys that I mentioned, the SDs, the, the FedExes, that they've also got some capacity in place to handle that. You know, w- one area that I have heard some rumblings is uh, some of your more industrial carriers that are, are, are probably carrying some of the potentially government freight and other freight that Yellow had in their network. Um, they've, not necessarily seen challenges, but they've bulked up and they're asking some of their their white collared uh, office personnel to go out and help on the dock a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of an all, all hands on deck type of situation here. That's great insight. Yeah, that's really a lot of great, uh, great detail. I didn't, um, you know, appreciate that uh, breakdown with um, Yellow and, and, and Old Dominion um, you're doing more on the, on, the, on the retail side. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I want to ask you just a little bit about the, the, the freight market. I mean, you mentioned that things got a little bit better at, towards the end of the month. We have a a sonar chart that sort of alludes to that a little bit where we, um, you know, my colleague Zach Strickland wrote a chart, creates a chart of the week article every week, but it, she showed that there it is. You look at 2023 as that white line and kind of in contrast to, to July, typically, which typically a week month after, let's say, a, maybe a June end of second quarter surge, um, kind of going the other way this time, um, up about 7% from month ago levels. You know, would you interpret that as being any sort of meaningful improvement in the freight market or do you think that's maybe pulling forward a peak season or um just kind of any any thoughts there i'd be interested to hear your perspective no i've i've seen the chart i hadn't focused on it uh it is interesting it follows really a, a 2020 parallel and that was a, a year unlike any other so hopefully we're seeing a, a bit of you know, uh, excitement out th- out there in the market. Uh, some have surmised that specifically to to the UPS and yellow uh, strike potentials. Uh, that yes, there was some pull forward nature just to to get freight out in, in case there was massive disaster out there. Uh, yeah, I think it was big news last week that the the crisis was was averted with UPS. 
you know, our projections was that yellow would be able to be uh, to be handled by the rest of the industry. But obviously, UPS, there there was no chance. It, it wouldn't have happened. There was just way too much uh, too too much freight moving through that network. So um, it, it's it's a good question. I I hope that we're seeing some some brightness out there. Um, you know, across our customer base, we are seeing the same sort of lift over the last couple of weeks here and and into the last week of the month so you know, hopefully hopefully that trend continues i think it's a, it's a nice chart that you showed there because clearly in the other three years in that five-year view uh it, it was very flat in july and that's that's normally what we see is you don't really start to see that that pick up until uh until august going into september on the year fourth quarter push so uh to be determined yeah, I mean, I think it was interesting uh, sort of perspective that is, is maybe risk mitigation, um, you know, it, it's shipping for, for, for sort of risk mitigation purposes. And, and maybe just want to ask you about a different, you know, method of risk mitigation is, you know, we have this loose freight market now, not going to last forever. At some point, there's a shakeout of capacity and or just freight volumes improve. We don't know when that's going to be. It, you know, your shippers, um, you know, how would you advise them to, you know, sort of, you know, protect themselves against the eventual capacity crunch well you always want to be balanced in all things so you know right now to take too much advantage of the spot market and truckload or even across the the ltl network uh it's clear for those shippers that were yellow heavy they're probably having a lot tougher week uh this week and last than you know those that had you know kind of spread their spread their eggs out a little bit more balanced situation so I think it's important that you stay abreast of the market, see what's going on. You know, certainly from a dedicated carrier perspective, you know, uh, we've looked over the last year here to to try to you know invest even further there to um, to give freight to carriers that that need it out there that could be future partners. Even if you're paying over market, you know, there's still obviously probably at least a fifty percent delta between the contract and the spot market, and to uh, to strategically overpay for for good relationships and you know, good ongoing opportunities, I think is 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 the smart thing to do in the truckload space. Um, and in addition to LTL, I think you really got to do the same thing. It's not all about choosing the low cost provider, and frankly, it's not always all about choosing the low the optimal carrier between low cost and and service. You know, sometimes you have to think about future and contingencies and having backup plans. I think you know. Uh, it's no time is better to understand that than than understand you know looking at at yellow and and certainly there were many contingencies being made with with UPS as well so I you know, I think those are good things to be thinking about right now as we reflect on the last month here yeah it does seem like um, you know the shippers are doing more um, as far as managing those contingencies because they've gone through just so many supply chain disruptions you know a lot of these CPG companies have said well I've never seen a situation like we've had the last, let's say, couple of years where there didn't have the ingredients, didn't have the right packaging materials, all of those things. Um, you know, you do a lot with strategy. Uh, you know, how do you balance the um, desire to have more resiliency in the supply chain and sort of managing those exceptions versus just having a, a network that's more more streamlined and, and maybe lower costs overall? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I would say it starts in the boardroom. It starts in the executive room. Uh, there's got to be, and there has, you know, I'd say over the last, certainly uh, since COVID, and I think it, it, the trend had really started before that, is that supply chain um, is, a, is a major impact on a, on a business, right? If you're shipping goods, 
and your su supply chain is constrained in any fashion that can have downstream impacts of disappointing customers and and that's never a good thing so yeah i think that the more that the the executive and boardroom sees that you know if you've got visibility to your supply chain you can you can uh, run scenarios to determine you know what is the cost impact of having redundancies having uh, contingencies in place and a lot of times you know if you're looking at a a, a a P&L statement for August, right? Uh, next month um, versus what's it like, look like over the, the next five years. I think you want to be making decisions based on both of those because and just if it, if it's, if it looks good for your August numbers and, and, and it meets your service expectations, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to position you most effectively for you know three to five years down the line. So you know, whether it's building out your technology stack or uh, determining the right 3PLs or carriers to work with. And I think those are decisions that really should be had on a, on a weekly, if not monthly basis uh, within the, you know, your operators and, and then and to wrap that back to the executive and boardroom. I think those are things that from a financial perspective, they need to be looking at those as, as long-term investments uh, in uh, potentially, you know, shorting the, the P&L for next month, but, uh, in the end, at the end of the day, uh, you're you're a lot safer and better off uh, with these, you know, kind of more sustainable type of scalable solutions. Yeah, I always sort of have to balance the near term results with the longer term results. Particularly hard for the um, publicly traded companies to do that. What what size companies do you typically work with on the on, on the shipper side? Are are they the big, you know, ones that are that are publicly traded? Or are they they sort of smaller ones that are scaling up? Or who are, who's, the, who's the one that gets the most value from from OBW? Yeah, perfect question. Uh, so we're um, we do work with some publicly traded companies. Those are, are some of our better uh, customers. But uh, honestly, I think where we create the most value is the mid-sized shipper. Um, you know, we kind of look at at our customers as um, they don't have the scale to compete uh, in the CPG space, for example, with a Unilever or a, or a PNG. And our effort is to give them an all-in-one solution between a warehouse and transportation that they can, that we give them a platform and, and other shippers to, to consolidate and combine forces with, um, to, to give them a competitive edge that gets them close to the same scale and cost basis that you'll see with the Unilevers and the PNGs out there. Yeah, that's really sounds like that adds a lot of value, um, particularly for those those shippers. Um, and and how does a company like yours help uh, those sort of mid-sized shippers prevent the on-time and full fees? Yeah, so uh, that's going to be of particular interest over the next couple of weeks here, as we see what what happens with with DL. I know there's a lot. You know, really, uh, the majority of our shippers ship LTL freight um, through their network, and and our program basically takes LTL freights and, and turns it into truckloads. So at LTL freight, it's it, it you, most shippers struggle, uh, say to deliver in the eighties to low nineties would be a pretty good L LTL score going into most retail facilities. Uh, if you can transition that to truckload, you've got an immense amount of additional control in terms of scheduling delivery appointments, tracking the truck, um, you know, less moving parts. So we try to do as much consolidation at the front end, um, and the result of that is, is certainly a cost benefit, but oftentimes more importantly, 
is the uh, the consistency of the freight and driving into the high 90s in terms of on time percentage. So that that's that's something that you know we've we've had in the works for a long time, kind of building out this consolidation program, and and we've seen the the ability to give control and flexibility back to the shippers to be huge. Yeah, and and you talked, you mentioned there that you uh, help shippers out with the, the warehousing. Um, you know, what are you seeing in the in the warehousing market? I know it was really tight for some time, and there was a lot of building. You know, where, where does it stand now? Yeah, I you know it seems like it's probably six to nine months behind the trucking market. Um, so uh, yeah, it was very tight, uh, very uh, challenging to find to spot, f- find available space out there. I do think we've seen a massive impact in the warehousing space from. Amazon somewhat de-emphasizing some of their growth plans in terms of warehousing and distribution. Uh, there were, you know, seemed to be some deals that they were walking away from, uh, and with their size, you know, I think they were not alone in terms of some of the large companies out there that that uh, with rising interest rates are starting to get you know a bit fearful of in terms of what the future holds. Uh, so we have seen uh, space become more readily available over the the, the last couple of months. Uh, that has not necessarily transitioned into uh, rate uh, reductions at this point, but we're you know the avail- availability of space as that continues, I think we'll we'll, we'll continue to see some opportunities at, at cost reductions out there as well. Yeah, that's good. I, that makes a lot of sense. It's sort of interesting that's behind the, the 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 truckload market, but I guess that that makes sense. It takes some time for the goods to move through the the, the warehouses. Um, yeah, I just want to ask you again. I mean, you you um, you mentioned the food and beverage is, is one of your areas of expertise. Are there any sort of specific logistical challenges um, other than what we've already discussed that are really specific to that type of shipper? Well, you know, food and beverage, you've you've got some perishable uh, items, uh, you know, at at risk there, certainly. But, you know, it really comes back to that. um, You know, Walmart calls it the MABD, other calls it RDD. These guys, uh, you know, their their goal in life, the retailers, to have the the product on the shelves and be able to to sell it so that their sales increase and you know, you know, down upstream from that, you've got your vendor community uh, that is looking to make sure that their product is on those shelves that they've been given access to. So you know, I think a, a, an immense amount of work has been put into the supply chain over the last decade in terms of the technology, uh, the teams, the analytics that go into predicting uh, what the consumer is going to buy uh, and, and then kind of backfilling it from there to make sure that you've got very efficient supply chains to support that. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, I think it is much trickier uh, for a supply chain, or I should say for a uh, for a retail shipper uh, to ebb and flow with the expectations of their customer uh, in terms of that, that end delivery. Uh, and I think you need a great, great partners that you can count on to help do that. And and frankly, I know yellow has been uh, uh, down talked over the last you know, 10, 15 years, but, but they did provide a good service in, into the retail space. I think that that is going to be a major impact, whether it's today or if the market really continues to to uh, to peak up. I think you're going to you're going to see that hurt over time. Right. You know, you may have uh, the you know, 10, 15 percent capacity that's available today, but. You know, if we're going to look to get back to a growing economy and back to 21, 22 type of volumes, I think, you know, you're going to have a lot of a lot of work needed in terms of building up capacity in the trucking community to get to, to get back to that, that type of volume. 
Yeah, it's great to hear that perspective. Um, you know, I really appreciate the the perspective you can bring on yellow on what might happen there, on you know what needs to um, to happen now going forward. Um, for folks who want to reach out to to you or ODW and and learn more, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, just go to odwlogistics.com. Um, I'm on the contact page for the website, um, and uh, you know, look forward to to hearing from everybody. It, you know, it really is. It is, it is the right time if you haven't uh, got contingencies in place to find some for for as this market ramps up. So look forward to hearing from everybody. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining me on the stock out. Good deal, Mike. Thank you.